Welcome back everyone to Anti-Wedding Wedding Club. We're officially in double digits with episode 10. It's the last day of August and we can't believe it's going to be September tomorrow. It really does feel like it was just March. Not that we're complaining that this year is going by quickly, but I don't know. Even with this year being pretty horrendous, there have been some shining moments that I'm not sure would have even happened if not for a global pandemic. They say you grow when you're most uncomfortable, so I've begun to think about this year as that, a year of growth. Also, I wanted to say apologies for not updating on Instagram much this weekend. I was in Truckee at Lake Donner with my main group of friends that I've only seen once in the past five months, which has been really difficult. We all got COVID tests and rented a cabin up by the lake, and it was my favorite thing so far this year. Just being able to breathe in fresh air, float around in the lake, and relax made me feel human again. I highly recommend being outdoors. I was never much of a nature girl before all of this, but being stuck at home may have converted me somewhat. Not completely. Anyways, so this week's episode, we're talking wedding cakes, ladies and gents. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So let's get on with the show. cake is a traditional cake served at a wedding reception following dinner. In modern Western culture, the cake is usually on display and served to guests. Traditionally, cakes were made to bring good luck to all the guests and the couple. Now, they're more of a centerpiece of the reception. Now, let's take a jaunt down to the past. Historically, the first wedding cakes were probably made in ancient Greece, though it's thought that the modern wedding cake grew out of several different ethnic traditions. One of the first began in ancient Rome, where a cake of wheat or barley was broken over the bride's head to bring good fortune to the couple. Wedding cakes have been present at wedding ceremonies all over the world, though, for centuries. They were not always the main focus of the event and could come in different forms like breads or pies, but there's always been a lot of symbolism associated with the wedding cake. In Europe in the 16th century, there were two variations of the wedding cake that existed. The Bambury cake, which was a spice oval-shaped currant-filled pastry whew, that became popular in 1655, and the bride's pie, which was served at most weddings. The bride pie was savory. It follows a 1685 Robert May recipe of a pie crust filled with an assortment of oysters, lamb testicles, pine kernels, and coxcombs. Hmm, sounds delicious. For May's recipe, there's also generally a compartment of the bride pie, which was filled with live birds or a snake for the guests to, I don't know, I guess entertain the guests while they cut the pie at the table. Guests were also expected to have a piece of this pie out of politeness. It was very rude not to. And, well, we're just glad that this lovely recipe doesn't seem to be popular anymore because it sounds absolutely horrendous to be honest. Anyways. Thank you, Penelope. My dog, ladies and gentlemen, has decided to be a part of the podcast. Can you not? Are you done? Okay, I think she's done. 
In the 17th century, two cakes were popular. The groom's cake was usually a darker colored, rich fruit cake, and the bride's cake was usually a simple pound cake with icing. Uh, this tradition is still around in some weddings. I believe it's actually quite popular to have a groom's cake in the South, but for the most part, the bride's cake is now the main attraction. As we enter Victorian times in the 19th century, which we know is a huge player in even how we do weddings these days, the cakes changed again. Sugar became easier to obtain, though refined white sugar is still very expensive at this point. For wealthy families, the wedding cake was seen as a luxury item and a sign of social status. So the bigger the cake, the higher the social standing. One of the main cakes on which our modern version is based off of is Queen Victoria's cake at her 1840 wedding to Prince Albert. This is also where we see the white wedding cake start, with white icing getting a name change to royal icing. As with dresses, this piece of Queen Victoria's wedding blew up in extraordinary fashion, still influencing brides to this day. Obviously, many types of cakes have been popular in different countries at different times. In some countries, such as Italy, each couple can choose from different types of cake according to their preference. In other countries, a single type is chosen by most people. Though, even when a type is preferred within a culture, that can change significantly over time. An example of that would be the traditional wedding cake in Korea, which was a rice cake topped with a powder made from red beans. Now, though, most guests are likely to see a sponge cake with fresh fruit. In the UK and Australia, the traditional wedding cake was a fruit cake, elaborately decorated with icing and likely filled with almond paste or marzipan. Fruit cake was actually also the traditional wedding cake in the US till the middle of the 20th century when white and yellow cakes became the norm. Since the 1960s, a three-tier cake has been the most popular for Western culture with icing decorations, fondant, flowers, and other items being used to represent the couple or the theme of the wedding. Wedding cake toppers also became popular in the U.S. during the 1950s, representing togetherness of the bride and the groom. So what are some alternatives to wedding cake? It was common for the couple to serve, in addition to the cake, other forms of desserts like pastries, candies, and cookies for many years. This practice made way for brides of today, though, who sometimes opt completely out of having a cake and instead serve their favorite dessert. Hello, donut wall. That sounds like my idea of absolute heaven. In France, the uh, croquembouche is a popular alternative and the traditional approach to their wedding cake. In Norway and Scandinavian countries, a pastry called... Okay, let's see how bad I butcher this. Kranskake... If anybody's from Norway or a Scandinavian country, let me know how to say that, um, is made for their big celebrations. It consists of a series of concentric rings of cake layered on top of each other to form a steep slope uh, cone shape, often 18 layers or more stuck together with egg whites, almonds, and sugar. 
In Thailand, the Kanom Sam Klo is usually served at Thai weddings. It's a fried pastry that consists of three balls of dough made from coconuts and sesame seeds that are fried together. There's also a superstition about that, whether the pieces of dough stay together while they're fried as well. And it sounds delicious. Anything with fried dough and coconuts and sesame seeds, I mean, sign me up. So there were two other items that came up during the research into the wedding cake, though. The smashing of the cake in the bride and groom's face and what to do with the cake after the reception. With the latter, since a baby usually arrived within a year of the wedding, traditionally they would serve the top part of the wedding cake to celebrate the couple's first child. So they would keep it, you know, usually it was a fruitcake, so they were they lasted longer, I guess. Um, they were able to save it and use it for the celebration of the baby's birth. More recently, some couples tend to freeze the top part of their cake and save it for their first year anniversary. I never really understood that one, to be honest. Uh, how can a cake that's a year old and been in a freezer all that time be good? But, you know, it's a, it's a thing. For the cake smashing bit, newlyweds typically cut the first slice of cake together and then feed each other a piece of cake as a symbol of their commitment to provide for one another. It's tough to pinpoint where the cake smashing began though, but it has been around for several decades. The practice was talked about in a 2011 Dear Abby column in which she refers to it as demeaning to women and referenced a 1987 book called Curious Customs, which said it was a comedic ritual that sustains masculine prerogatives in a very act of supposedly subverting them. Though, like the bouquet and the garter toss, cake smashing is a so-called tradition that's been in decline. Most people and couples realize ruining their suit or dress or even playfully messing up the other person's face is not worth it for a photo op. Cake smashing also comes with a unsubstantiated but rampant rumor that the practice is a predictor of future divorce. And honestly, I don't necessarily disagree with that. <laughs> I have never really liked the practice of it. I mean, especially brides, they take hours and hours to get ready and to have a massive piece of cake shoved in your face just does not sound like a very fun thing to do. I've also seen brides not want to do it and then they're groom or their partner, usually, okay, let's be honest, it's a groom, decides to do it anyways. And I've seen too many brides get really upset over this. And not going to lie, all the ones that I've heard about that have done that and seen from weddings I've done are divorced at this point. So while unsubstantiated, maybe true that it is a predictor of future divorce. So men, if your future bride or wife asks you not to smash cake in her face. Please don't do it. It's not funny, I promise you. If she says not to do it and then she does it to you, I would still err on the side of caution with doing it to her. It's a lot harder for us to get clean with everything else that's on our face. So I just, I think that this one should go away. I think you can feed each other nicely. Um, there's no need to smash a piece of cake into your spouse's face. But, you know, hey, if you're the funny couple and you want to do it, by all means, go for it.
Alrighty guys, that is some information on the wedding cake. So I have a couple questions that we're going to answer for this week and uh, we'll just jump right in. So the first question is, what is your favorite tradition and that you want to keep? Oh geez. Um, I don't know, honestly. Wait. What ones have we covered so far? Um, I feel like I'm anti most traditions. Uh, I I like the idea of the first dance, actually, with um, just the bride and the groom on the floor before anybody else comes out. I, I think that that is really sweet. And I'm a huge, 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 huge music person. Music will be a massive part of my wedding. And so that's a great moment to be able to pick a really special song and just kind of have a have a sweet moment with your with your new husband or wife or partner whatever you want to call them uh yeah I, I think that that's a good one that I would definitely keep um I'm not sure about the others though I guess we'll find out if I ever get married <laughs> all right uh question two what are some of the most popular colors that are coming um, out this year. So I, I mean, the last two years or so, the blush terracotta kind of light with gold colors, neutrals with um, that kind of stuff has been really popular. I do kind of think that the, well, that still is very popular. That is um, not gone away yet. I have kind of seen more of a push towards bright colors. Uh, like very vibrant pinks and greens and oranges and yellows. But I've also seen a shift towards the blues and the greens. Um, a lot of people, maybe it's a quarantine thing because we all, a lot of us became plant moms and dads over the last couple of months. But cactuses and succulents and greenery has become a little bit more popular versus flowers even. Um, that's something that I've been noticing and one of the big trends that uh, Leslie actually talks about in our episode next week is that this kind of slate and blue colors have been really popular with dresses. And I've also seen that kind of go into the decor uh, and the planning as well. So I think that it's shifting from maybe some warmer colors into a little bit of a cooler color tone that is popular in the next coming up into the next year. But... I definitely don't think blush is going anywhere or neutral colors are going anywhere for the next handful of years. They're still very, very popular. Uh, one other thing that I have noticed, though, that I'm loving is this trend of pompous grass. So I've, um, I'm, I mean, I love flowers, but I've always been very into the idea of greenery at my wedding. And um, pompous grass works really well with kind of having that more simple approach to your you know like your greenery or your your flowers and stuff and we're seeing that a lot which is really pretty and I'm very into that uh okay and then last question when are you going to do episode about the dresses <laughs> this is hilarious well um the dress episode is going to be huge and I think I need to break it into multiple um pieces because it's just I mean, it's one of the main parts of the wedding. It's a huge, huge, huge undertaking. So 
we're we're working on what that's gonna look like. But um, next week we're actually dropping another episode with a guest. We had Leslie uh, from Anomaly. She is one of the co-founders and the CEO, and they are a boutique-free online wedding dress company. When I first heard about them, I was a little confused. I'm like, how do you buy a wedding dress online, not in a store? But we had an amazing conversation about the wedding dress industry and honestly how it can leave brides a little deflated. And we talked about some dress trends and things like that. So I think you guys will be really excited for that episode next week. That will drop on Tuesday morning and get some perspective from, um, you know, when she was a bride and then also what she sees working with brides every single day. So, yeah. Um, But thanks for tuning in to another episode of Anti-Wedding Wedding Club. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Baby Pod on Apple Podcasts. We're trying to get the podcast out there, and that's a huge way to help. Um... Anyways, all right. I hope you guys have an amazing week and a a great Labor Day weekend. Hopefully you get to do something and you're not stuck inside. Uh, But we'll talk next week. Till then, bye.